0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Not one, but two more star players are back in the mix as of Wednesday evening. Tis the week, friends. We got Chris Paul, not as long of an injury, so maybe that one's a hard one to put in the same bucket, but we got Chris Paul back on Sunday. We got Chris Middleton back on Monday. We got Jonathan Isaac, if you want to count him in there, back on Monday. And last night, maybe the biggest ones of all, Brandon Ingram and Anthony Davis are back, baby. And as I said on yesterday's show, I was going to start Anthony Davis in a Games Cap format. I was going to start all of them in head-to-head. And uh, I wasn't going to start Brandon Ingram over on the, the Games Cap side. It just felt like... There was going to be too much rust, and his fantasy game really does require him get up up uh, like 28 to 30 plus minutes to hit that top 50, top 60 valuation level where he gets to, and that actually worked out pretty well as far as yesterday goes. But overall, I got butterflies in my tummy, friends. I got butterflies in my tummy. The stars are coming back. Now we just need to keep everybody else upright until they do. I don't know if we can pull this off. Other injury news over the last day. Uh, some of it I want to get to as we work our way through the, uh, the recaps. Uh, as we work our way through the box scores from last night, like uh, the Portland game in particular had a couple of, of interesting injuries. We got some data points on uh, the lack of Steven Adams for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, but yesterday in the afternoon, not something we've talked about on the, this podcast yet, is that Devin Booker got a relatively positive update as well. He is set to be reevaluated in one week, which you never want to hear the term reevaluated because they could still be like, oh, well, we looked at him and things were still crap. But the reevaluation periods getting shorter is still a positive development. So to that end, I think it it feels like the Suns are hopeful that they'll have Booker back in not too long after that week. He's one of the, honestly, he's one of the last remaining super big-name players that remains on the shelf right now. I know Karl-Anthony Towns is like no sign of coming back. Uh, Halliburton, we got a good report. He's hoping to be back maybe as early as this weekend. Kevin Durant, we got that pretty good report earlier this week that he's hoping to be back within two weeks. Donovan Mitchell is maybe out. Porzingis, there was a good report on him. They're hoping to have him back in less than two weeks. We're finally getting what almost feels like an avalanche of good news about star level players. I almost don't know what to do with myself. I mean, I do kind of know what to do with myself, and it's hold my breath that everybody else turns out to be okay. But anyway, welcome to the show, everyone. It's Fantasy NBA Today. It's a Sports Ethos presentation. I am Dan Vespers, Still, same old guy. Iron Man streak lives on. At some point, I don't know what the Iron Man streak is at now. We're, we're at something like two three or three consecutive years of Monday through Friday without a single day off, in-season, off-season, whatever. It's... It's taken on a life of its own, and what I need to do is just take a day and either get a fill-in host or just, frankly, don't release a show on some one day, maybe during the off season, and then at least then the streak will be so short coming back that it will be like, okay, well, you know, I just took one off, so I could probably do another one. Slippery slope argument, I, I guess, but at some point I'll take a day off. Mark my words, at some point I'll take a day off, but not yet! Find me over on social at Dan Bespris, D A N B E S B R I S. As I've said a thousand times, you need to be on Twitter to be successful at Fantasy NBA. Unless you're in the wimpiest of wimpy leagues, you got to be on Twitter where all of this news is breaking, moments notice type stuff. And I hope you guys will follow me when you head over there because recruiting pitch at the front end of today's show. I haven't done that in a little while, actually. If you think you can hang, if you think you're a fantasy analyst, either full-season fantasy or DFS, for baseball, football, basketball, or hockey. Hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. You could even post something in the YouTube live chat during one of these shows. You can email roster at sportsethos.com. There's a lot of ways to get in touch. If you think you can be a fantasy analyst for any of the four major sports, or if you got something else up your sleeve, I'm happy to listen to it as well. But let's start talking about some of the fantasy stuff here. That's what you guys came to see. We'll begin with the early one. It was a relatively large Wednesday, 10-game card, I think. Was it nine? No, it was 10 games last night. You guys watching me count up games as I go through a podcast. Orlando, Bay, uh, Indiana, 126-120. The Pacers, again, without Tyrese Halliburton, they're just not that good. Really goes to show how much he's he's he does for that team. Fantasy stuff, uh you know, on Indy we saw Chris Duarte scored sixteen points. He had six steals in this ball game as well. Uh but they're down a, a couple of players at this point. Uh there was no Andrew Nemhard for this one. Aaron Nismith was awful, so he got yanked early, so other guys kind of picked up a few of those minutes. So no Nemhard, no Halliburton. They've redone the backcourt. McConnell, Duarte, those guys will end up on the bench when all of this stuff is done. You're rolling with McConnell for sure, as long as Halliburton's out. And then Miles Turner, as we mentioned, did exit this ballgame. Actually, I think I mentioned that over on uh, one of the live recordings, is uh, Miles left just a little bit early. I think he kind of like limped off the court at the final horn, so it even wasn't truly early with a slightly tweaked ankle. It looked extremely minor, but... It does kind of give you this opportunity. If you wanted to pick up Isaiah Jackson, who had six points, a steal, and three blocks in only 12 and a half minutes, I mean, we we got to free Isaiah Jackson at some point this year, don't we? One would hope. Uh, but the problem, of course, is that they're not as good with Jackson out there as they are with Miles Turner. And as long as the Pacers haven't fully embraced losing, which they haven't yet, this is going to be murky. And when I say murky, I mean with Jackson... Okay, maybe you pick him up here while Miles Turner has this ankle thing, and maybe Miles misses a game, and it buys us just a couple of days to get closer to the trade deadline if you're thinking about a Jackson stash all the way up to the deadline. I just think it's going to get extremely frustrating because he's going to go back to playing 11, 12 minutes a game, even if you get one good one out of him. Jonathan Isaac, he looks really good in his per-minute production right now. He only played eight minutes again. I thought maybe we'd see that that minutes cap go up from 10 to 11. I still think that overall he's going to increase by about one minute per ball game, And it's not that surprising to me, kind of thinking through it a second time, that his minutes went down from Game 1 to Game 2. Because Game 1, it was, okay, get your wind back, make sure you're okay. Game 2, let's just... Let's just get a brisk jog going and make sure everything holds. All the pieces are still clipped together. And if they are, then on game three, maybe we click you back up. So maybe he goes for 11 or 12 minutes in his third game back. It's going to be the world's slowest ramp up, which we've said a thousand times. We're probably three weeks away. So all-star break, really, from Isaac playing enough minutes to be fantasy relevant would be my guess. Uh, So Roto Games Cap only is still the move there. Gary Harris had a huge ball game, but I don't care. He went eight for nine from the floor, and that'll never happen again. Well, maybe it'll happen again at some point, but I I doubt it's this year. Philly beat Brooklyn 137-133. Hell of a ball game. Uh, The Nets shot 65% and lost, mostly because they had 16 turnovers to Philly's nine, just a a possession gap that they kind of couldn't make up there. Philly shot the ball well, too. I mean... Crap, 270 combined points, you figure everybody's shooting the ball well. Uh, And pretty much everybody did, with, interestingly, the exception of Joel Embiid. He was, like, the only guy on the court that didn't have a good shooting night. Still a perfectly fine fantasy line. The big fantasy stuff in this one, Seth Curry had a big ball game, but we've talked about it before. They're just rotating through who does well, filling in for Kevin Durant. And they're all schedule stream level guys. Royce O'Neal, TJ Warren, Seth Curry... Yuta Watanabe, Joe Harris, all of these guys. Schedule streams, no more than that. I thought the biggest news from this game was that DeAnthony Melton played 34 minutes. And the player whose minutes actually suffered was P.J. Tucker. Is there a guarantee that Melton plays starters-level minutes every ballgame? No. He saw more because he was playing better in this one. But that's now... Three games in a row where Melton and you know, in one of those games they the Sixers were sitting all of their starters, so you can kinda semi throw that one out, but three games in a row he's played thirty minutes or more. He's beginning to settle into this new role, which is exactly what we talked about. It takes Melton about ten days, or somewhere between four and six ball games, to figure out his role shifts. That's his cross to bear. The other guys, whatever the, wherever they play, their role is the same. Tyrese Maxey, you shoot. Harden, you run the pick and roll. Embiid, you do all of your Embiid stuff. Tobias Harris, you play off these guys. You're the next dude who gets shots. Melton's the one dude where it's like, all right, Anthony, now you're playing with these guys. And he's like, okay, well, let me see how I can play off of these, these players. How can I react to them? He's not the proact guy on that team, except when everybody was hurt. So he had a really good shooting game. Yeah, that's not going to happen every night, but you're seeing the steals, the blocks. He has five blocks and six steals his last three ballgames. Uh, he has 14 rebounds. He has eight assists over those games. He has six three-pointers. He's settling in, and this is why we said don't drop after three bad ball games with him. It takes him longer than that to figure out where he belongs in a new unit. Washington over Houston 108-103. Uh, A few interesting things in this ballgame. First, DeLon Wright got a start with Monte Morris sitting it out, and Wright was honestly a little bit disappointing based on how good he had been, and this is partly because when you move into the starting unit, you have to get other guys involved. You get Bradley Beal involved, you get Kyle Kuzma going, you don't have the freedom to... Just go do stuff. That kind of what he was doing while coming off the bench. Still, we got four assists. We got three steals and a three-pointer. I'm not super complaining about it, but you know, I thought we'd get a little bit more. Daniel Gafford looked great. Starters level minutes. 33 minutes for Gafford. The only two categories, three really, that I'm looking at are rebounds, blocks, and field goal percent. And all three of those were a positive, especially blocks with four. I love Daniel Gafford right now with Porzingis out. Denny Avdia is another name we wanted to talk about. It sounds like the Wizards are trying to shoehorn more minutes to Avdia. And the Rui Hachimura trade kind of helped open those up. As I've said for three shows in a row, the thing that worries me with Avdia is not the minutes. It's not even the opportunity right now. It's that there are a bunch of ball handlers in his way. He's not a high usage guy. He's never going to force himself into the mix. But I did like that he took 13 shots yesterday. The fact that he had the third highest shot total on the team, was nice. No Morris is something to keep in the back of your head. Still no Porzingis is something to keep in the back of your head. And so I just, I don't think he stays above the cut line as really almost either of those guys come back. But, you know, he'll give you some rebounds, he'll give you some steals, he'll give you some blocks. There's just these, I just need the tiniest bit more. And maybe it's that there just isn't a whole lot of Room for upside with him as long as this number of players is still healthy. Every time someone else goes down, Avdia's upside gets a little bit higher. It's why I like Gafford in the head to head, which guy should I pick up and play? Because there is that explosion ability with Gafford where he could go seven of eight from the floor with 10 rebounds and three or four blocks. That can happen. You're not going to see that happen with Avdia. He could have shot the ball better yesterday and he got 10 rebounds. He's had good rebounding numbers a couple games in a row, but you're just like, you're very rarely going to get more than 13 or 14 points or, you know, a steal or a three pointer that that's kind of, you've got this safe floor with him, but it's a narrow band for Roto. I feel much more comfortable starting Gafford. I'm not, I wouldn't be that upset if you started all three of the names we've talked about in Wright, Gafford, and Avdia. But personally, I'm only starting Wright and Gafford, and Avdia is extremely close. Extremely close. So it's not that big of a deal if you went for it. Like, this is the kind of game maybe we should have, because the Rockets are terrible, and you figure that's a game where maybe you can squeeze out some fantasy stuff. Kendrick Nunn was also interesting. I didn't think he would play 20 minutes at all this year, and he got 22 in his first game. It helped that he was shooting the ball well. Overall, he actually had maybe his best game of the season. Sometimes for guys, they just got to get out from under LeBron, which I'm not going to take anything away from Braun. He's been incredible, but there's a pressure element to it, and some guys just kind of wilt in that spot. They just don't respond to the expectation. There aren't many expectations for him now in Washington, so it's a little bit of a fresh start for Kendrick. I'm not picking him up. There's a Yiddish term that rhymes with Kendrick. The word is Schmendrick. And to me, Kendrick on the fantasy side is a little bit of a Schmendrick. Uh, for Houston, Alperen Sengun was a beast again. Triple-doubled. He is steamrolling right now. Uh, He had that rough free throw shooting game. He's at number 65 overall on the season. So he's actually kind of pushed his way up right around his ADP. Uh, Number 55 over the last month being largely held back by his foul shooting more than anything else. So if you kind of catch him on the right couple of weeks. Top 20 over the last two weeks despite horrible foul shooting because he's shooting 68% from the field with 3.2 defensive stats. For Shengun, if you can move him for a top 40 player, that's the target range right now. You do it. Anything less than that, I don't think you do because I feel like he can probably roll top 50 the rest of the way. I don't know that, like, the field goal percent is probably not going to hold this high. The assists are almost definitely not going to be 10 per ballgame, and more than anything, the defensive stats are not going to be 5 most days. But he looks really good right now, putting up the big numbers, and let's capitalize on that. Jabari Smith Jr. came back. He was awful. That pushed Tari Eason to the bench, so then he also kind of became awful. Ugh, Houston. K.J. Martin had 16 and 13. I guess that's something, but Kevin Porter Jr. was still out, and he's going to come back, and this whole thing's going to get readjusted. I, I know Eric Gordon, I'm sure, is just like lighting candles at an altar that he finally gets traded. I think he does, and I also don't know that it really matters for what's left with the Rockets Milwaukee beat Denver 107 99 Denver sat everybody so you can just kind of dump that box score we figured that Zeke Naji and Bruce Brown would be your fill-in guys and they kind of were but the other side of this was this game was going to be so hard for them can anyone really have fantasy value for the Nuggets and the answer was yeah Aaron Gordon did and Bruce Brown did and Zeke Naji was meh Pat Connaughton had a big ball game, but I sort of don't care. I do care because he's on my 30 deep team, which badly needs giant games from everybody because my key guys are all hurt. Porzingis, Kevin Durant, Kelly Oubre Jr., those guys are all down. I think those are like—I know those are at least my top two picks. You can't win a 30-team league when you lose your top two picks. That's impossible. Chris Middleton, 15 minutes, looked way less rusty in this game than he did in his first one, but it helps to pick on a Denver B squad, which is kind of what happened here. Brooke Lopez, very cold from the field, but still got his four blocks and uh, nothing else really to take away from the Bucs as we wait on Middleton to get himself ramped up, and then we could drop him into a Roto lineup. Atlanta, much-needed road win. This was a hard-fought one. They needed to put up big-time points, and they did it. Thanks largely to Bogdan Bogdanovich. We've been talking about how he's going to get hot at some point. He's a very streaky shooter. How many streaky shooters have we talked about on this show lately? Kyle Lowry, Freddie Van Vliet. Bogdan is another one. When he gets cooking, this could be a run of a few weeks where he's just lighting it on fire. I don't know for sure that that's going to be the case, uh, but it sure feels like it has the possibility to. I'd say there's like a 30% chance that this is the front end of a Bogdan uh, fire stretch. And that's why we were saying, see if you can get him for, like, a top 100 guy or pick him up off the waiver wire because you're going to catch one of these heaters and he's going to elevate you. And then you just have to make sure that, you know, Terrence Rossian in seasons past, you jump off when things get ugly. No DeAndre Hunter. He's still dealing with that asthma attack, so uh, we wish him the best. For OKC, Shea and Jalen Williams, those are the only guys that I'm dropping into a roto lineup. Josh Giddy is the other play in certain formats. Nothing changes there. Let's keep trucking. And a reminder, of course, once again, do follow on Twitter at Dan Bespris. I'd love to hear from you guys if you're interested in joining up with us at Sports Ethos. I know I wanted to try to mention that two or three times during today's podcast. Minnesota beat New Orleans on the road. This had a full letdown for the Pelicans written on it because they got Brandon Ingram back. They need him to be more than he was, and they will be. He's going to make that team a whole hell of a lot better. For the Pelicans, though, Ingram's return did kind of what we thought it would, which is it pushed all the fringy streamer guys off the board. Trey Murphy was not good. Herb Jones was not good. Najee Marshall was not good. CJ McCollum, still good. Jonas Valanciunas, interestingly, still good. Larry Nance was someone I said I've been worried about. It just there's not a consistency there right now. Jv was a guy I I benched. Um, I actually don't have him anywhere. He's a guy that I hypothetically benched going into this game, so I don't want to like try to take credit for his decent ball game. I do think that he trends down here with Ingram back as well. And for the foreseeable future, but we can reassess on a nightly basis. I'm only starting McCollum, and I'll probably start Ingram in their next ball game. Uh, I think they have a back-to-back over the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, if I'm remembering right. He'll probably play about 28 minutes in one of those two games, and he'll probably skip the other one. Uh, but I'll probably play him in the game where he plays. Uh, my guess is around 28 minutes. Minnesota, as slow-mo goeth, so goeth the Timberwolves. Kyle Anderson, 10-3-7, and two steals, two blocks, good field goal, good free throw, a plus-16 in a game they won by nine such as it always is for Kyle Anderson. He is the glue guy for that team right now. And you're playing him as long as Cat is out. We were way higher on slow-mo on this show than a lot of folks were. I, there, was, there was a doubt. There, folks are not doubting him anymore. Sometimes I run late on dudes. Sometimes we run early. We ran early on slow-mo, and I think we're running early on Brandon Clark, although we'll talk about him in a minute. Portland is a very interesting team. Uh, so I'm going to talk about them second- Hardy-har-har. Utah, pretty much nothing. Nothing changed here for me. I still like what Mike Conley's doing lately. Larry Markkinen uh, slowed down a little bit here. He's he's having a dream season, so I kind of don't care. Colin Sexton had a better game, so did Jared Vanderbilt, but you can't trust those guys in Roto. Those are guys. Malik Beasley's on the list as well. Sexton, Vanderbilt, Beasley. Those guys are all dudes that I would start when Utah has a back-to-back, basically. Get him in their head-to-head lineups. And one, Walker Kessler's kind of coming back to earth a little bit. Teams are figuring out what his weaknesses are. Dame, in particular, is not a dude you want to play against if he's warm and you're a big, slow-moving center. And so that's why Utah had to go a little bit smaller in this game because Dame was going crazy. It also, believe it or not, helped that Yusuf Nurkic was out. And that's the thing for Portland right now. First of all, before we even deep-dive Portland in any way, go pick up Drew Eubanks. Early this year it seemed like he was still trying to kind of figure out how he fit with the starters. You might remember early in the season Nurkic missed a couple of ball games and Yanks was putting up like 120 range type of numbers. He's much more confident now with the starters than he was then. Just something about feeling out the room. It's like a almost like DeAnthony Melton actually you kind of feel the room out a little bit. He's not going to assert himself, but defensively he makes them better offensively he does he makes them worse but you know this isn't a team that needs Nurkic on offense all that much as much as they need a guy who can actually defend a little bit and then get him out and run so not surprisingly Dame had the game of his life here well third 60 point game of his life but this may be the best line that Dame has ever put up 60 points seven boards eight assists three steals and nine three-pointers he did everything uh, it was amazing, but Drew Eubanks eight points, ten boards, two steals, two blocks, four of six shooting. He's extraordinarily underrated, and you can understand why because he looked awful in San Antonio earlier in his career. He looked good for Portland in garbage games in in the silly season yes or last year, uh, and that kind of it seemed like that kind of helped him build a little confidence at the NBA level. We had multiple injuries in this game. Nurkic is one. He's listed as questionable right now on the card, but it's a calf thing, so I'm expecting he will miss a game or two. Uh, and I'd like to get Eubanks in my lineup for those because he's a big man who's not awful at the free throw line, rebounds well and defends well. And then the other one, Josh Hart left early. Real shame. If someone gets hurt in a ball game, you want it to happen late. Obviously not at all. Nas Little picked up the minutes there, but he's not going to do almost anything with them. And he's another guy that's going to be kind of defense first. I was wondering if Portland might consider doing an Anthony Simons bench gunner role, but now that they have two guys hurt, that's no longer on the table. So add Drew Eubanks. Toronto beat Sacramento. Kings just didn't look very good in this ballgame. Keegan Murray continues to show nice, steady improvement. He's someone that needed to be added. We've talked about... The whole rookie thing ad nauseum at this point. But in case you've missed it in the past, rookies stink for the first two months of the year, and then they slowly start to get better. That's why you buy low on them at that point. Stop drafting them. Toronto side, Chris Boucher really good in this one. Minutes I can't trust on a night-to-night basis. Precious Achua, efficient again in this one. Can't trust the efficiency night-to-night. Those dudes make sense when Toronto has a good schedule coming up again. Obviously, that was the case last week with a five-gamer, but not the case right now. Golden State, uh, Steph Curry got ejected late in this ballgame, but Jordan Poole came through after basically making the plays that irritated Steph so much, and Poole hit the game winner. This was a fun one, really good ballgame. Brandon Clark, 32 minutes as the starting center, 19-8. Only one defensive stat. Believe it or not, this could be better. I love it. Let's break down the Brandon Clark, Xavier Tillman thing just a little bit here since we're getting towards the end of the card. I want to make sure everybody kind of knows my thoughts on why I was so pro-Brandon Clark uh, and and less pro-Xavier Tillman. So this is this is the issue there. Clark, well, for one, Tillman doesn't put up fantasy stats as quickly. He's a steals guy at center. Clark is both. We know historically Brandon Clark only needs about 23, 24 minutes to be fantasy relevant. As a starter, which I think he'll be in most games, and we can look up the Grizzlies schedule actually while we're talking about it. That might be a good little game to play. Figure out what what types of teams are going to go against. So they've got the Timberwolves coming up next. I actually don't know what direction they're going to go with this one because Gobert is giant, but he's not a post-presence. Then they got the Pacers, floor-stretching Miles Turner. That feels like a perfectly reasonable time to go Brandon Clark. The Blazers, if Nurk is back, you might see Tillman get the start there. If he's not, you probably see Clark. Cavaliers, that's a game where you almost definitely see Xavier Tillman get the start because the Cavs are gigantic. Raptors, not that big. Bulls, pretty big. Wolves again. Celtics jazz they're not very big so you can you can kind of game out when you think clark is almost definitely going to be starting i just think he's going to be doing enough overall anyway to where uh he's going to be a play i like brandon clark for a lot of reasons anyway um so i love brandon clark he's the guy that i picked up there on the memphis side with steven adams out I keep wondering if Dante DiVincenzo is going to be able to post value for the Warriors in 34 minutes, uh, but it just doesn't seem like there's enough usage left for him. However, the efficiency run for Jordan Poole continues, so that's good news. And then the Lakers and the Spurs. We've got uh, Jakob Purtle back in shrink wrap again. That's how it's going to be between now and the trade deadline. He is very barely startable in all formats, playing 23-24 minutes a night. Uh, I still think he's a possible buy candidate in fantasy. And then Zach Collins, what's the upside there with Collins? Um, like 90 range if he slides into starters minutes. This was a better game than usual. Uh, Lakers still are somewhat undersized, but that might actually change as they alter their minute distribution in this ball game. So nothing really to do on the Spurs side. You're not picking up Kata bates job. There's, there's, Unless you wanted to stash Collins, which we've talked about before on the show as kind of like a maybe, sort of, yes guy who feels like he's probably going to slot into an okay center role after the break. Uh, that's kind of the only note on the Spurs. For the Lakers, LeBron looked completely exhausted in this ball game, and uh, it showed for a, a quite a while. He was settling for jumpers. He was missing layups, which is super weird for him when he's not totally tired. But guess what? Look at this. LeBron, 11 assists. You think it's coincidence that he comes up with 11 assists on a day that Anthony Davis and Rui Hachimura join up for the Lakers? That ain't coincidence, friends. First of all, AD looked amazing. 21-12 and with a steal in four blocks. He didn't really even have his power on offense yet, and he put up this type of line. All systems go there. Dennis Schroeder had six defensive stats. That'll be the most he ever has in a game in his career from now until the end of time. Patrick Beverly had a better shooting game, but those two guys are being, uh, they're going to phase down. Uh, And Thomas Bryant, 21 minutes. It sounds like they're going to bring AD off the bench for the next couple of ball games. That's not enough for me to start Thomas Bryant. And then with Hachimura, I don't even want to talk about Russell Westbrook. He was so bad in this game, and he's been so horrible for two games in a row here. Hachimura looked like a fantastic fit for the Lakers. He's bigger than pretty much everybody on the team that's not a true center and not AD or LeBron. So they just brought in size. They brought in a guy who has one-on-one ISO ability, but from a fantasy standpoint, like his fit goes, it's really, really good for the Lakers. Rui was a plus 17 in this game. That's the highest number on the team. I know those numbers can be a little bit deceptive, but if you watch the game live, it was not, it was not deception. He was a big reason why the team played well when he was on the floor. Six rebounds in 21 minutes. That's key for this team that just gets crushed on the glass most nights. And they finally won a rebounding battle for once. Uh, Fantasy wise, I don't know that he clears the bar in category leagues. I think he's someone you could look at because his value is going to be so tied up in scoring and rebounding that you're going to have all these bad categories. But if he's good enough in those two, he might just barely make the cut for like a 14-team points league or like a league that favors volume scoring. Uh, But otherwise, I don't think I would take the plunge. Just as a Lakers guy, someone who follows the Lakers pretty consistently, uh, that was a really nice positive to see. Let's talk about what's coming up tonight. Six-game Thursday which I love it when we actually have some games on Thursday. That makes me feel so much better. Although I do kind of, I kind of wish that we had one day, because we've had a a lot of days in a row where there have been a decent number of games. I kind of need that one day where there's just like nothing happening. Detroit is in Brooklyn. Um, I mean, this is a massive letdown game for the Nets off the Philly game yesterday. We'll probably see a couple guys get rested uh, because it's, you know, tank time. I don't think it'll be anybody critical, but you never know. And then with Detroit, nothing really. I mean, I love what I'm seeing out of Jalen Duran. This will be a pretty good test for him. Knicks are in Boston. Uh, Celtics are are a relatively large team when they're fully healthy, so I wonder if the Knicks might not have a choice but to go the Sims-Hartenstein minute split at the center spot. Uh, When they play smaller teams, you're going to see Emmanuel quickly get up near 30 minutes, at least while Mitchell Robinson's out. I don't think that happens in this one. So if you're like... Trying to figure out whether or not you can use quickly in a roto league. I don't think I would. Head-to-head, I think I probably would, actually. He's been kind of just barely doing enough when the schedule's right. Chicago-Charlotte, with the Bulls, it's just this constant tug for me of is is the Patrick Williams-Alex Caruso thing, is it just quite, is it enough? Generally, no. Again, those are guys that also make sense more on the head-to-head side. Because then if you use him on a bad game, it doesn't really, it doesn't burn a games cap. Charlotte, would I play Dennis Smith Jr. here? Um, It'll probably come down to whether or not Gordon Hayward plays. Uh, Lamella Ball's actually getting close too, so probably not. And that also probably means Jalen McDaniels you might want to have a little hesitation on on the Roto side. Cleveland, no Donovan Mitchell. I think he's questionable, but there's almost no chance he plays. I'm going to go ahead and just rule him out on the podcast. If I get that wrong, sorry. So you get the Karis LeVert points league bump. Nothing else of note there. Houston, do we see Kevin Porter Jr.? I don't think I've seen a report on him yet this morning. We'll do a quick check here to make sure that I'm not overlooking something. Let's see. Jimmy Butler just got ruled in, by the way, so that's useful. Rozier is in. Seth Curry's questionable. TJ Warren is likely to play. So we're getting a little bit of stuff on this upcoming card as I'm podcasting. So nothing really for Houston. Dallas, we saw Dwight Powell finally look good filling in. Could he do it again? And if so, is that even enough for me to make an ad? Probably not, actually. So kind of not really paying attention to anything with Dallas. Phoenix, nothing much. I mean, you can watch Cam Johnson's minutes, but he's been startable even in limited minutes lately. And it also means—well, DeAndre Ayton is he playing is kind of a question mark, I guess, but I don't have the stones to start it back up there. Anyway, Spurs on the back-to-back against the Clippers. You'll probably see some of the veterans get rested. This might actually be a good game to roll Collins out there, because uh, I'm would. i guessing Jakob Pertl sits the back-to-back, but maybe not. You might see Keldon Johnson sit the back-to-back. You might see Josh Richardson sit the back-to-back. We'll know more by later on today. It might not matter— because the ads with the Spurs have such gnarly fantasy games for 9-cat that you probably don't even take that plunge anyway. And then the Clippers. I think it's really just the two superstars and Zubats at this point, although if this game is a blowout the way the line suggests it might be, then perhaps you get another big one from uh, somebody like a Norman Powell on the Clippers' side. So that's what's coming up tonight, and that is your Wednesday podcast. I'm going to say it one more time here at the end of the show. We are recruiting Please do hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris if you want to be a fantasy analyst or if you want to cover a team in any of the four major sports. It doesn't just have to be NBA. Uh, we have a Braves show in baseball that's uh, in an offseason right now. I think I'm going to be starting a Dodgers show on the baseball side. We have a Seahawks show. Candace does a wonderful job with that. Obviously, most of our shows are basketball, but we are sports ethos now. We're not hoop ball anymore, so we are pushing into the other sports. Hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Vesperus, Or again, you can throw it in the YouTube chat room if you're watching live. Roster at SportsEthos.com is the email address. I'd love to hear from you. all We want to keep expanding here at SportsEthos. And the reason I'm kind of like planting my flag in this is that you've seen Vox with layoffs this week. You've seen Roto World with layoffs, whatever it was, two months ago. You saw Fan Sided trim a bunch of stuff earlier this year. We want to go the other way. Sports Ethos wants to keep growing, and the faster we grow together, the better we can all do. So please do hit me up on that. If you've got the passion, this isn't an I'm going to screw around for a month type of thing. This is a, like, I want to cover whatever team as part of my life. Hit me. I'd love to hear from you. Again, it's at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. To the recorded listeners, love you guys. You're You're wonderful. You've made this show what it is. Come join us live Every day, uh, as long as I've got my kids in school and they're not sick, I can go live most days. Tomorrow, our live show will be Brewski and myself. That will, of course, also go out on traditional podcast channels a little bit later in the day. I am Dan Vaspers for Fantasy NBA Today. Almost done with another week, everybody. Weekend review show coming up tomorrow with Brew. Have a great one. We'll talk to you tomorrow.